welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. Today I think I'll go straight to the message I've never been able to finish. The eight pillars. Thank you, Jesus. The eight pillars. How about that? Is that a good idea? Going on the eight pillars. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to hear your word. Thank you for bringing us together. In this short moment, we have got to spend together. We pray, download yourself into us. And let us see you in a different light that will prepare us for greatness in our destinies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Eight pillars of destiny, right? Yes. You remember? Yes. Okay, what's pillar number one? Love of God. Huh? Love of God. I can't hear you. Love of God. Pillar number two. Faith in pillar number three. Pillar number four. Honor. Pillar number five. You don't know? All right. Do you want me to just go ahead or I should do a recap? All right. So, pillar number one is what? Love of God. What is this? What, what pillar is this supposed to be for? What are these pillars? Destiny. Pillars of destiny. It's if you don't love God, you, you, there's no guarantee for your destiny. Oh, come on. When you do God, it does your destiny. Do God and save your future. It's not a sign of intelligence. It's not a turn of sign of smartness. Saying that I don't do God. No, it doesn't show you are smart. If you don't love God, there's no guarantee for your future. But I know people who, who don't do God and church and things are going well for them. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Save your future. Why are you saying that? Because God said that all things work together for those that love God. Romans 8, 29, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says that uh, no eye has seen, no ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man. What God has prepared for what? Those who? Not those who are in church. Not those who are in need. If there is God, why are people suffering? Who told you? What has that got to do with God? Did he cause the sufferings? If there's God, why did he allow something bad to happen to my my father? Who told you God made it happen to him? The devil is there hurting people. So if you are not wise enough to take cover, you'll be a victim in life. You'll be a victim and God will do anything because the Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God. So the good news is it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, who raised you, the issues that has happened in your family, Maybe some bad things have happened to you in life. You know, once you love God, all the things that have happened will work together for your good. That's the beauty. So your, the security of your future has a lot to do with your love for God. Because as soon as you love God and his purpose is on your life, everything that has happened in your life begins to work together for your good. Do you understand that? That's a profound thing I'm saying. It's work. Tell somebody, this thing is working for me. Whatever has gone has happened in my life is working for me. Yeah. Say it's working for me. As you say it's working for me, think about some things that have happened that didn't even seem good. 
Maybe your father divorced, your parents got divorced. Maybe your mother was abused. Or maybe your, 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 your parent died early. Maybe you were expelled from school. Maybe some tragedy happened to you. Maybe you, you suffered abuse. Maybe something happened. But, 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 say but, 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 but. But do you know what? Once you love God, all things, all things mean all things, good and bad. Even the ones the devil used to try to use to hurt you, God will use that to help you. Why? Because you are a God lover. So you want your destiny to be secured, love God. Number two, have faith in God. What does it mean to have faith in God? You believe that what God said he would do, he would do it. Ah. So if God said I'll bless you, it means I'll bless you. So if God says that break out with that boy and I'll bless you, why don't you have faith in God and do it? Go ahead and do that. Obey God. Obedience to God, there's nothing that reflects faith in God like obedience to God. You, how can you obey God, the God you don't believe in? So when you obey God, it's a reflection of the faith you have in God. What's the point in coming to church without obeying God? Think about it. You are doing church, but you don't obey God. You are not doing church. The real God doing and real church thing is, is, is built on the platform of faith. And when you have faith, Jesus said to them, they, in, in John chapter 2, they had they run, um, run out of wine at the wedding. And then Jesus said to them, the Mary said, Jesus, do something. Jesus said, go and pour, fetch water and pour it into the barrel. And then fill it, fill the barrel with water. And then afterwards, pick some, take some of the water and go and serve it. And they said, you have to serve the captain or the uh, chairperson of the function first. And these are usually some of the top military generals and important people in society. Water that you poured from the barrel, you're going to give it to him to drink. What if it's, you, you can lose your life? So they had to obey Jesus by faith. They just obey. Mary said, hey, whatever he tells you, do it. John chapter 2, verse 6. Whatever he tells you to do, uh, verse 5, whatever he tells his mother said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So that's faith. Faith is doing what God has told you to do. Faith is not only when you are hoping that God will help you. No, 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 no. That's hope. Faith has to do with actions. So when you have faith in God, it will make you do something. So if you say you have faith, we have to watch your actions. Because without actions, you can't see faith. Faith can be seen. Yeah. In James chapter 2, verse 26. It said, faith without works is dead. The body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. When you read from verse 18, verse 16 and 8, it says that, so one, you say you have faith without works. Someone will say, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith. How? How can I show you my faith? I can't hear you. How can I show you my faith? Think about it. It says that. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and how do I show you my faith? I will show you my faith by my works. So that means that there can be faith that doesn't have works. The only way we can actually see real faith is when we see real work. How can I show you my faith? I believe, I believe. Do something. 
I believe God will help me. Then take steps. Sometimes when it's time to give, that's when we can see your real faith. It's not during the worship. It's not during when we are jumping. Hey, hallelujah. Show your power. As for GP, are you here? It's not, it's not, in, it's not going to do faith. It's just fun. So most people find it easy to have fun. But nothing is showing in your life. Because the just shall live by faith, not by fun. So you can come to church and have fun. But to see the life of God manifested, the blessing of God manifested in your life, you need faith, boy. You need faith in God. Believe in God's word. Sometimes Satan, Satan will, will begin to mock you. He'll be teasing you. Oh, this thing is going to happen. Don't ignore him. Have faith in God. Believe God. Believe that what God has said is true. One of the th- biggest things you should have faith in is, oh, thank you, Jesus. Have faith in God for your future. Have faith in God for your future. But nobody does well in my family, minus you. You are going to change the statistic. Why? Because there is a woman of faith that has come into the family. A woman of, a man of faith has joined the family. Now you are a man of faith. You are a woman of faith. And so your story is different. When you are a man of faith, your story is different. Matthew chapter 9 verse 29. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Ah, ah. So your faith is what determines what will happen. That's what Jesus said. It's there. Let's already have from the screen. Read it out loud, please. One more time. Pastor, today people are not reading loud at all. I don't know why. Is it because you are hungry? I should be hungrier. Let's read out loud. How is it going to be unto you? Ah, so your faith will set the pace for how it's going to turn out for you. How do you think you can secure your future without faith in God? And by all this faith, faith, and that's, that's up to you. Choose your own track. We also choose our track of faith and give us time. Let's see the outcome. Let's see the outcome. Let's see the outcome. You know, there are people who say coronavirus is a fake thing. And they died. Some people died through coronavirus. They say, oh, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't. I can't believe. You said you didn't believe it. So you see, the fact that you say, I don't care, I can't be bothered, doesn't mean you'll be bothered. <laughs> you can't be bothered, you'll be bothered. So faith. Someone shall faith. Faith. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. That's a serious statement. Your faith is what will determine what will be unto you. Oh, not the prayer of the pastor? Oh. Your faith? You can have qualification without faith, and there's no guarantee. But you can have faith without qualification, and still there's a guarantee. Hey, don't go for that one. Don't go for <laughs> Because it will make the journey longer. It's like you want to swim to America. <laughs> or you want to go to America on boats without an engine, just normal paddling. No. You might get there. But it will take too long. Just jump on the jet. And so if you go, to, if you study and you have a degree, can you imagine you have degree and faith? Woo! Woo! 
joy, degree of faith. There's no way disgrace can come near you. So build your faith. One of the reasons why we come to church is a faith-building exercise. Yeah, that's why people go to the gym. To build some muscles. So faith in God. Please, have faith in God. A lot of things will go on in your life to try to mess your feelings. Faith is not a feeling thing. It's an intellectual thing. Okay, I know you are thinking about it. There are many people who say they have faith, but it's because of the way they feel. So sometimes you come to church and you receive some preacher, you feel, especially those who say, hey, Jesus, Jesus. Sometimes it's just based on feeling. I'm not saying all of it, but sometimes it's just based on feelings. But your faith must be built on facts. Facts you find in God's word. That is true faith. Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing by the word of God. So the word of God, it, you are, you've heard something. You've heard something. Something came to you. And obviously, it's talking about hearing and understanding. The first hearing is what you heard. The second hearing is how it's, how it's settled in. Okay, so by hearing, we are all hearing, but not everybody is hearing again. So faith comes by hearing and hearing, the second hearing. He said, once have I heard, once have you spoken, twice have I heard. God speaks once, but it goes beyond. The first hearing is the external hearing with your tympanic membrane. The second hearing is the hearing in your spirit. God has spoken once, but how many times did I hear it? Twice. All right, so love for God, faith in God, and then number three, mentorship. Anything you, you want to know how to do it well, you have to go to those who have done it well. Can I say that again? If you want to know how to do something well, go to those who have done it well. And learn from those who have done it well. You know, Jesus told the parable of ten virgins. Five wise virgins and five foolish ones. Matthew chapter 25. He said they were all waiting for the groom to come. And they waited and waited. But it was delaying. So the five wise virgins went and bought extra oil for their lamb. Those days, it's like charging your battery. You know, when you, are, you know you are traveling, you are going somewhere, you make sure your battery is on full charge. And then if it's going to be a long journey, but you'll be listening to a lot of music or using your phone online a lot, then you need battery pack, right? Yes, sir. Is it called battery pack? Power. 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 power bank. Bank, yeah. Power bank. Now there are different types of power bank. Some you can stick behind your phone. Yeah. So you need power bank. But we are traveling, and we found out that the, the flight has been delayed. There's no charger. So people went to GT Free Shop to go and buy power bank, but you didn't go. And then now when we're in the air, your battery is low, but you still have to be working and sending emails to clients. And then so now you are going to, can I use your, uh, no, no, please, my own, it turns the two of us. 
So the foolish, it is foolishness to, to not to prepare for the future. It is foolishness not to prepare for the future. Don't spend all your time like life is just about today. Be careful how you choose your friends. Be careful what you are doing. Be careful the places you go. Be careful what you keep listening to. Be careful what you keep watching. And be careful who you keep hanging out with. These are the ways to prepare for your future. Who you hang out with. What you keep listening to. What you keep watching. And where you keep going will determine the outcome of your life. Whether you are a good person or you are a bad person. If you are a bad person and you work with good people. With time, you begin to have good mannerisms. If you are a good person and you work with bad people, with, with time, the Bible says that evil association or communication corrupts good manners. I think First Corinthians chapter 15, I believe verse 33. Yeah. Do not be deceived. Evil company, did you see that? Evil company will, will corrupt good habits. You have a good habit by your friends the people you are working with, the people you hang around with, will invariably pollute your good habits. But company, evil company corrupts good habits. Let's look at how the New Living Translation puts it. They say certain things that he was talking about earlier. Bad company corrupts good message. Some of you are starting <laughs> the same thing. You see, the, the King James put it, and New King James put it so clear, all the simplified ones couldn't put it any simplified, any much simplified. Yeah. Don't be deceived. Evil communication. So New King James, uh, evil company corrupts good manners. So who you keep company with? Will affect you. So mentorship is such an important aspect of destiny. Do you know Paul, when he met Jesus, he said, what do you want me to do? Jesus said, go to Damascus. And this is very interesting. He said, go, the Lord said to them, arise, go to the city, and you will be what? Told. Those who say, I mean, I don't want anyone to tell, no one can tell me what to do. You have a failure in, in the making. Oh, you definitely are on the route for. You can't, you, can't, you can't buy a mobile phone and say, no one can teach me, no one can tell me what to do. But the one who made it must tell you what this phone can do. Who made the phone, sorry. So, he said, go. Jesus said, me, I can't tell you. There are human beings on earth, on ground, who have what it takes to tell you what you must do and how you get to where you are going. So when you get born again, the first thing you do is to make sure that you are committed or you are um, accountable to somebody in church. That's how you can live a successful Christian life. But this lone ranger, uh, insulated, isolated, segregated kind of Christian life, you are just by yourself. It's you and you alone. You are not accountable. It's between you and God. Excuse me, give me a break. That's one of the things I just can't. No rational person should say that. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. Did God come to preach to you? <laughs> Did God give you the Bible? Where did you get the Bible from? Didn't you buy it from someone? Someone gave it to you? Did he throw it from heaven to you? <laughs> How can you be so childish and, and, and pediatric? 
and say that it's between, it's just between me and God. You don't need anybody. Excuse me. You always need people. You always need people. And sometimes you need even family members who are not born again. You still need them. You need them. You are born again. But you don't like this, your family. But you still need them. They are your family. You always need people. You will always, he said, Luke chapter 6, verse 36 or 38. Yeah, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. We'll be put into King James. Give me King James. I prefer the King James. King James uses a word there. That. Give and it shall be given unto you. Uh, good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. Shall. Not God. No angels. So you need human beings. God was coming on earth. He had to go and appeal to a, a young woman called Mary. Because he couldn't come without other human beings. He had to go to Mary and ask for her permission. Mary, can I use your body? Even God needed people on earth. Even God. And then he said, Joseph, stay around. Stay around. I don't need you to impress because I'm coming myself. There's no male involved. So I'm just coming to wrap myself in some, a woman's womb. But I need, I need, as I'm growing as a baby, I need a father around. I need a human male, male around. So he said, Joseph, stay, don't go. Joseph wanted to leave Mary. According to Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, 18. Just 19. Joseph wanted to put her away. But you know what? It wouldn't have affected anything because Mary was already pregnant. God didn't need Joseph to get involved in that sense. So if you are putting her away, okay, take it. But God had to appear to him in a dream. Don't put her away. Keep her. For she will give birth and you shall. Can you imagine? He said, she will give birth. He said, do not be afraid to take. And she will bring forth a child. And what? You, Joseph? Yeah, God needs you too. You do the naming. Wow. So, never say, I don't need people. It's between just, this is just me and God. Me and God. Me and God. That's where you fail, hands down. So, mentorship. You are born again, but no one is mentoring you. Paul said, uh, um, I studied under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was one of the top, top, top. If you like, you go to Oxford, and let's say the topmost lecturer in Oxford, Paul said, I studied under Gamaliel. He said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of. He can trace his origin. He said, I'm a very powerful man. Where are you coming from? You are Elijah the Tishbite. Where are you coming from? Who raised you? Who taught you that Christian things? Who, who, who prayed for you? Who laid hands on you? Where are you coming from? Now, where, where can, where can, where can, where team be this too? Where can, where team, where, where, where team be this? This kind of anointed person, where can team be this? It's Satan who likes meeting people privately. He said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but I brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel. Can you imagine? He was talking about his education. At the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel taught him all. Now, if he makes reference to Gamaliel, you can tell that this guy has been to the best training, has gone through the best training. Even that was not religious training or spiritual training. 
That was not before God called him. He had been even trained. And he was saying that his educational training is also a reference point for who he was in life. So those of you who say, I don't, I don't do school. I'll just do church. Sorry, I feel sorry for you. Your future will be compromised. So, mentorship. You cannot be mentored if you are not humble. People who are not humble, they see mentorship as torment. Instead of a mentor, it's like a tormentor. Because, you see, you need to be humble for someone to hold your hand and say, go there, go there, go there, do this, stop that. You can't do this, you can't do this. And discipleship is about mentorship in spiritual things. Someone must be able to tell you that you need to break up that relationship. Someone must be able to tell you that you need to redo your hair. So everybody needs a mentor in your career. Okay, in your career. Let's say you want to be a medical. That's why usually in medical school, you're supposed to go and do housemanship. It's another way of, it's mentorship. In, actually, in even nursing and teacher training, you have to go and do and I mean, most, most of the, the top professions, like architecture, yeah. Yeah, am I right? You are architect. You have to go and do some, a lawyer. You finish your LPC, you have to now go and do some, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Some people, they don't want to, they finish law school, then they go and buy a wig. I'm going, I'm going to court this judge. Because I had distinction in my exams. So now I can go to court. No, it doesn't work like that. You need mentorship. You, need, you must be an apprentice. A disciple, another word for disciple is an apprentice who is learning from a master. You want to do ministry, humble yourself. Because you can read the Bible and quote quotations doesn't make you a minister. Being a minister is not based on quotations. So humble yourself, stay, serve. So you want to preach, you feel God has called you to preach, please, it doesn't start with preaching. Preach on the streets and bring them to church. That is preaching, not microphone. You don't need microphone to say you're preaching. But why are they not letting me lead prayer? No, that's not where it starts from. If you want to do practice preaching, there are a lot of puppets all over, everywhere on the streets. People, single puppets. You see human beings, you're puppets. Preach to him. Preach to him. And let's see what your preaching can do. Wow. If you can bring people and get them established in church for a long time. Yeah. And more and more and more and more. Then we can, we can say that, okay, there's a potential. And then we can also begin to get you ready. Don't say, oh, I, I, you know, they don't know how I'm anointed. How anointed I'm. They should give me one day, they give me the microphone, they'll be surprised. That's why you never have the microphone. So, everybody needs a mentor. And wherever, you see, mentorship helps for learning. And learning is necessary for progress. So when you stop learning, you start dying. So we need a mentor, especially when you are young. You know, when you are young, there are a lot of things you think you know. <laughs> Later you find out that somebody said this, now that I'm 60, I know the things that I thought I knew when I was 16. Mm. 
He said, now that I am 60, I know the things I thought I knew when I was 16. When you are young, you, you are filled with energy, so you think knowledge is based on energy. Gray hair has a lot to tell. Gray hair usually, usually, is a depiction of experience. You have been around a bit, a bit, a bit longer. And interestingly, life is, is, is not only one side. How many of you have seen the, the electrocardiograph machine? Huh? So when you see oh, a life support machine, yeah. the, the ECG, ECG electrocardiogram, the ECG, uh, when you look at the, it goes like this. So when, when you visit somebody in the hospital and then there's a life support or there's a machine, it goes like, it goes like this. And even when you are, they are trying to check, is it the ultrasound? Yeah. Or when the, the heartbeat of a baby, and then sometimes you can see the machine every now and then print it's an unpleasant sight because that means the person is not feeling well. So all the times I've been to the hospital and I'm just waiting, sitting by somebody who go let the person be well. And then the nurse will come and check the pulse and come and check, and they come and add some fluid or change the whatever intravenous uh, uh, stuff. Now, it becomes an emergency when the thing stops and it's down. When your life is just straight, uh, you are dead though. <laughs> life is full of. That means that life is working. Once it gets one straight line, six feet, you are dead. So, the more you have lived life, the more you have seen Difficult times, interesting times. And you can tell somebody, when you see these signs, watch this. Watch this. Study well. Take the course. No, this course is better. Do this. Don't fight a person like that. Leave them. Don't worry. Keep going. Later on, they regret. You know, you need someone to speak into your life. You need someone to, to guide you. Because none of us is self-made. Everybody needs an authority. Everybody needs a mentor. Your destiny is usually compromised without a mentor. Without a mentor, you are left with torment. Without a mentor, your life will be full of torment. Full of regrets. How many of you have had some regrets? And how many of you have had regrets and you knew if you had listened, it would have happened? It's, it's, it's part of life. So when you have mentorship, these are the bigger issues in life. There are bigger issues in life, like what university you choose, what course you read. Those things are important. They are important, and you need some level of mentorship. Actually, what friends you make can damage your life. Yeah. So you, ha- 
Your mentor reserves the right to tell you, I do not want to see you talking to that guy again. Right? Yes. You don't like being told what to do, but you are too wise not to accept the instructions. But if you are foolish, say, no. You go, why are you telling me that? It's my life. Hey. Those, those who say this, it's my life. It's my life. You are very ignorant. That's why you talk like that. What do you mean your life? The government will not even allow you to commit suicide. Think about it. No, you cannot be. You will be allowed to commit suicide. It's an offense. You can't be. You are not permitted because it's not your life. That's right. When it happens to you, it affects a lot of more people. You can't be driving and say, "My car. I bought the fuel and I paid the insurance. I can drive anyhow I want." Uh oh. You are going to affect others, other road users, other, other people's lives are in danger. If you want to kill yourself, you, you still cannot drive anyhow. Yeah. Or you affect other people. That's life. Mm. But you know, a lot of people who don't have any proper upbringing, there's no authority in your life. You have been made to feel like, well, do whatever you want to do. Wow. That's your biggest down, downfall. And your, biggest, your biggest problem in life is that you were not trained to know you need authority in your life. Someone who can enforce boundaries in your life, you are not doing this, you are not going. You can cry blood, they say still, you are, you are not going. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody. We never get tired of hearing good things that will help us. Because I actually feel I owe you so much. I feel I owe you so much. I can't afford to have your ears and not help you to succeed in life. Because you look at, you are sitting here listening to me. I better help your destiny. I can't waste your time. Actually, this is exams week, right? We can't be wasting time here. Something good must go in that will position you for an advantage in life. Say amen. Amen. Honor. Right. Honor. Always make sure there's somebody in your life you are honoring. A mother, a father, an elderly person, and a spiritual person. Always look for opportunity to honor. A vessel of honor. And sometimes it's also good to show honor to people at your level and people below you. Let's say you are a senior. Sometimes show honor to the people who are also subordinate to you. Show respect to them. That is actually respect. And it, it goes a long way. Let me add the fifth one then. The principles you adhere to. In other words, so number one is your love for God. Number two, faith in God. Number three, mentorship. Number four, who you honor. Number five, your philosophy in life. Philosophy in life. Some people end up in prison because they, they think I've been inside is a cool thing. It's a, it's a mad philosophy. You wouldn't know how bad it damaged you till you grow and you want to buy a house, you want to start a business. You want to rise above a threshold of your family. Then you realize that you hurt yourself because the system is speaking against you many years before you got here. It's a system. Never, never celebrate anyone who doesn't find a problem with prison. In fact, 
Stay, give them distance before they corrupt your good manners. It's a philosophy of life. Some, some, of, some of us, there's no way you will be before greatness and stay there. Because you don't know how to comport yourself. You see a great man like, let's say I meet Archbishop, and I say, hey, man, how are you? Then I'm talking to you. I say, hey, I wish. Ah, ah. Now, wow. There is a dress protocol. But unfortunately, I'm about to say something quite interesting. Unfortunately, sometimes your background will not prepare you for the protocols necessary for greatness. You never know. So you appear before greatness and you butcher your destiny. Because wow. you don't know how to talk. You don't know how to carry yourself. You don't know how to accord respect. You don't know. I was told, I haven't met the queen yet. I was told that the royals, Prince Charles, the queen, and William and Kate and the rest, when they say they are coming to your school or your company or something, they know the way they line all of them up. Everybody stands. And when he gets there, you don't... Try to shake your. You don't do that. The women, you just, you know, your royal highness. Or the men, even the some men. Yeah. You don't. You, who dare you? How dare you? Take your shake me. No, you don't do that. <laughs> if he offers to shake you, wow, then you do it. Yeah. Else, keep your hand there. These are protocols. Yeah. And what they do with the palace life is people like Prince William, Prince Harry, and all those guys. They are taught palace protocols. So when Prince William is going to meet a president or somebody, everything they brief you. In this country, this is how they do, this how they took to, this how you do. Women do this, men do this, this is how you go about. When you get to the, the queen, when you're addressing the queen, you have to say your majesty or your royal highness. These are, these are things that you'll be taught by guess what? You are coming from a ghetto. This is, no, I'm honest. Some of you, you know you were born in the ghetto, you know it. You know you were born in the ghetto. But the good news is that you will stay in the ghetto. That's the good news. See, 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 okay. I don't think I've ever said this in KP2, but today I'll say it. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it's our covenant scripture. Our covenant scripture, when this church was about to start, this is a scripture God gave me. The platform on which the church is built, the scriptural platform, is that this scripture in First Second Corinthians chapter twelve verse nine. And this scripture it says that God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ashes. So it's not you; it's a God. God can do it. You are poor. You are in the dust, but God raises them. That's why we don't mind people without class coming. God will lift them and give them class. Say, God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among... Ah, All right, let's do some grammar here. God raises who? So who are we talking about? Is it only the poor? Two people here, two groups of people here. The... And there, uh, come on, let's go again. Two groups of people there, and there. Uh, what does God do to the poor and the beggar? 
So God raises. So when you look at the text very carefully, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ashes to set them among now the poor. Okay. The poor, the beggar, not beggars. Princes. So he raises them. That's these are the princes. But you are not a prince. You are born one. You don't apply to be a prince, do you? <laughs> but when someone works with God a lot enough, the God that makes people. By the time you, you guys like have a conference and be chatting and be like, yeah. by the time you realize, stay, stay there. You realize, yeah, you keep going on. And then you wonder, ah. What's that? What's he doing there? He, but he's not a prince. He's originally, he's from the ghetto. What's he doing there? The answer is God. And watch this. And sets them among princes and make them inherit thrones. Throne of glory. So that when you look at them, the princes are reigning. They are also reigning. And the princes look at them, and the princes say, well, no, no, he's not less than us. In fact, they go to him for advice. They say, oh, this fellow prince. But it is the working of God. And then God takes the beggar as well, and the poor and the beggar, and sets them amongst princes. So then, when you come, it, your background is not the problem. Yeah. It's where God is taking you to that we are excited about. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ashes and set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Why? For the pillars of the earth are the laws. And he sets the world upon them. He can promote anyone he wants to promote and demote anyone he wants to demote. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the book of Psalms, Psalm, I think 96 or 95, it said promotion does not come from the east. From the east, from the west, mm. from the south. Ah, he left the north. North is like top. Yeah. Promotion, Psalm 95 or Psalm 96 or, 70, or 75 instead. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Why? Because promotion comes from God wow. above. So this is just to explain the ghetto life and get your ghetto background. Yeah. Your ghetto background is not an indication that you can't go high. That is even the beauty about God getting involved in your life. That people later will look at you and they can't trace where you are to where you are coming from. It's like, how could you come from such a place and look at where you are? Uh, hallelujah! Please clap for the princess. When they look at you, it's like your current glorious position is not traceable to your miserable background. And it's like there's a missing piece. How, how, there's no road here. But you knew you were born. How did you arrive here? The road, the bridging gap is God. God. But you must first admit that you are a ghetto boy. And then humble yourself. 
But God raises, please, don't, thank you, Jesus. Stop, stop, stop feeling sorry for your background. What can you do about your parents? How can you do about your skin color? What can you do about your gender? What can you do about who, how you were raised? It's in the past. You can't do anything about it. There's not much you can do about your past. Please. I beg you. And don't let the devil use your past to rob your future. A lot has happened in your past, but stop, stop focusing on the past. Don't try going forward looking back. You definitely fall or you stumble. You have to keep looking forward. What has happened, let it be in the past. And lift your eyes and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and have faith in God. Have faith in God. Trust God. Because you are a great person and a champion in the making. Amen. The truth is the world is here to see your kind of champion. Amen. Because with all what you have been through, and you are still standing. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been through so much, and you are still standing. So you have to have this philosophy of life that knows that if God be for us, philosophy is different. Philosophy is in different ways. When I talk about philosophy, I'm talking about worldview, your mindset, your mindset about marriage, your mindset about girls, your mindset about boys, your mindset about things of God, your mindset about money. Some people, a philosophy of money will end them up in prison because they will do anything for money. They will do anything for money. So even when promotion is about to come, they will destroy it because of greed. The Bible says that um, a man without self-control is like a city without wall. Everybody can, no border control. No border control. If you don't have, he said, yeah, he who has, uh, he who, uh, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. No border control. Anybody at all get into your life, checks out, comes in, drive through. So we should have a very large heart to accommodate people, to help them, and without endorsing their wrong behavior. Their destructive path, we can't endorse it. But whoever you are, wherever you are coming from, we have a large heart to accept you because God still has planned for you. God is in the business of uh, recycling people. In church, it's like recycling business. Sometimes somebody asks me, what do you do? I say, I'm in the re- to recycling business. <laughs> or oh, what do you recycle? Human beings. Oh, wow. So you can tell, I've just let you in on my philosophy of life. Sometimes I speak very strong because I'm trying to help people to understand the principles of God. But I have a very large heart for anybody and everybody because God loves people and God cares about people. We have time for you. Just that if you don't have time for us, we can use our time for some important things. How can we help you? How can the doctors help you if you don't go to hospital? When you come, humble yourself. Admit you need help. Take away the facade. You have put up a facade. Put up a, a bold face, you know. Yeah, yeah, me, man. Oh, yeah. you, but you know you need help. Sometimes you can't sleep. You're afraid in life. 
There's no hope for the future. Sometimes you feel like even if I die, I don't mind. No! You won't sit down for that to happen. You want to give you a reason for living so much that you enjoy, you, you, feel, you feel life is meaningful. And you are not ready to check out. Because life is meaningful. I have a heart for people. Because some of you, when I look at your face, I can tell there's greatness. Maybe you might not even believe in yourself. Because of historic events in your life. You might not believe. And you don't even know what it means to be great. Because everybody around your life is in the ghetto. Everybody have entered, uh, ended up in prison and messed their lives out, being killed, being shot, and murdered, and murdering, and stealing. And it's like you are coming from an atmosphere of turmoil. But let me end on, on this. Think about this. With all you have been through and all that has happened in your life, if God flips it and they begin to do well, don't you think your story will be an, a nice story to write? Yeah. I'm telling you, a very beautiful story because of the ups and downs. If we trace or we, we read your biography, it can be turned into a, 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 a blockbuster. Your biography, because of where you are coming from and where God has taken you to. What? Everybody's got a story to tell. But your own is very special. That's why you don't have to be crying over your past. Lift up your eyes, put your faith in God, love God, submit yourself to mentorship and have a healthy philosophy of life and know how to honor people that have to be honored and see if you will not get to the top. It's the simplest way to get to the top. Did you receive something? God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Carriage Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Carriage Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Carriage on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.